Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 18, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. After these things, in verse 1, Paul departed from Athens And he went where, saints? To Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Why? Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. And so because he was of the same trade, he stayed in verse 3 with them and worked. For by occupation, they were what? tent makers. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Last week, Acts 17, Paul was in Athens, remember? And Paul had taken a trip to Athens and while he's waiting in his hotel room for Timothy and Silas to show up, goes over by the window looks out the window, and from the window, he looks out and he sees a city, Athens, that's full of temples. Remember there, one historian wrote that it was easier to find a god in Athens than a man. And so there were temples everywhere. And Paul left the hotel room, he begins to walk through the city, and he finds him self on Mars Hill, the Areopagus. Remember, we talked about this. This is where all the philosophers gathered. This is where all the thinkers of the day gathered. And they all gathered because they wanted to talk about, to chat about some new thing, some new doctrine. And so Paul gets up there on Mars Hill and on the Areopagus and he's preaching the gospel. And remember, he's using some of their poets and some of their prophets to you know, to tell them, hey, look what your own prophet said, and this is what the Bible has to say about Jesus. Paul is there on the Areopagus on Mars Hill doing his best to preach the gospel and to win men to Christ. And the Bible tells us there was three responses. Some rejected the preaching of the gospel, and some reflected on the preaching of the gospel, and for some there was a reception to the preaching of the gospel. Some got saved. Well, actually, only two got saved. One was named Dionysius, and the other was named Demarius. So now Paul leaves, Acts chapter 18, verse 1, Paul leaves Athens, and he travels 50, five zero miles to the city of Corinth. Now, listen close. Let me give you a bit of background on this city of Corinth. Corinth was a major city of the Roman Empire. It was located on a small strip of land that connected the north part of Greece with the southern part of Greece. 
If you were with us, you know last week that Athens was the philosophical center of the world, of that part of the world. Corinth was the commercial center. It was like a world trade center. Corinth was a very famous city and famous for many materials and famous for many uh, textiles. And so Corinth was famous for ceramics. Corinth was famous for bronze. Corinth was famous for, you know this, have you ever heard of this? Corinthian leather. Well, that all came out of Corinth. Corinth was also famous, watch this, for its hedonism and its immorality, sexual immorality. Hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure and immorality. It was the lost Vegas of its day. You know what I mean? Say amen. I found it fascinating that there were, as we learn, a thousand temple prostitutes in Corinth alone. And these prostitutes were free. So this is a very, very idolatrous, immoral, hedonistic, sinful city, if you will. As a matter of fact, it was so idolatrous, hedonistic, and sinful that the whole concept of, uh, of the, 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 the practice of sin and this practice of hedonism um, just took on its own life. It took on its own nature. And as a matter of fact, they actually gave it a name. If someone wanted to insult you, they would say that you're acting like a Corinthian. Because everybody understood what it meant to act like a Corinthian. In the Greek theater, an actor in the Greek theater was known as a hypocrite. We call them actors nowadays. But in the Greek theater, they called them a hypocrite. Why? Because they wore a mask. They wore one face, a mask, and another face as a mask. And so they would call them a hypocrite. If you were a hypocrite, an actor in the Greek theater, and you were given a script, they would say to you, you know, perhaps you were auditioning for the role of a Corinthian. They would say, okay, your part is you're going to act like a Corinthian. You understand so far? Say amen. amen. So everyone understood what it meant, the, the, the slander of being a Corinthian, being from the city of Corinth. It was an evil, 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 adulterous city, idolatrous city. And so Paul leaves Athens and he comes to Sin City. And it is very interesting, listen closely, it's very interesting because while Paul is in Athens sharing the gospel on the Areopagus, remember I told you, and Paul's in Athens sharing the gospel on the Mars Hill or the Areopagus, and Paul does his best to bridge the gap, if you will, by using their poets and their prophets and trying to take all of these various ideas and take all these various, you know, uh, cultural things and use them for the preaching of the gospel. Paul is doing his best to bridge the gap. He quotes some of their prophets trying to be relevant, trying to communicate on their level. He presented Jesus to them as best he could. And as I mentioned, only two people got saved. 
So Paul's doing his best. And listen, you know, I, I, I got to say, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Stay with me for a second. I got to say that, that, that Paul preaching on Mars Hill, preaching in Athens, two people got saved. He's doing the best he can to preach the gospel. It is, I, I got to say that Paul probably left Athens feeling pretty disappointed. I mean, the man is preaching his heart out. He's, he's preaching the gospel, trying to get people saved, doing everything he can to preach Jesus Christ. And I'm sure he left feeling disappointed. He probably left thinking, you know, that didn't go too well. You know, some, it's almost like a preacher, you know, giving an altar call and, you know, at the end and nobody gets saved. It's like, well, that didn't go well. And Paul's probably leaving Athens thinking it didn't go well. Now, it is interesting because the preaching, Paul's preaching style changed from Athens to Corinth. Paul changed because I think that Paul realized that, 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 that preaching with the Athenian prophets and poets and trying to be relevant and eloquent and, and, and clever to try to make, you know, blend the gospel message to win people to Christ. I think Paul realized in Athens that didn't go so well. That didn't work so well. So when he got to Corinth, he changed. Now, how do you know that, Rodney? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in verses 1 through 5, you want to be mindful that, that Paul is in Ephesus as he's writing to this church in Corinth. And this is what he says, which is, gives us indication that Paul learned something in Athens. He says this, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything except what, saints? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with, note this, persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in what saints, but in the power of God. Listen, this is what I submit to you. Paul says, when I came to Corinth, I determined I'm not going to do this thing my way with eloquence of speech or being relevant or being clever. Paul says, when I came to Corinth, I came to you, watch this, with the straight, forward, full-on, plain proclamation of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, when I came to you at Corinth, Acts 18, he says, I, I, I realized that I cannot preach the gospel with the world's wisdom. Y'all understand what I'm saying so far? With human wisdom, with eloquence of speech. Paul says, look, when I got to Corinth, I realized it's all about Jesus, baby. It's all about Christ and preaching a message, trying to be clever and cool and relevant and eloquent does not make the gospel any more effective. Paul learned something at Athens. Paul learned it's not about my cleverness and the way I speak and my eloquence, but it's about the power of the gospel. Paul said, and Paul's the same guy who said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the 
power of God unto salvation. You see, we have to learn as preachers and even as Christians that our words don't save anybody. Our cleverness and our eloquence and our ability to communicate and say all the right words and say all the right things does not make God's word any more or any less effective. God's word is powerful all by itself. And Paul had to get it. And I think some he got free in Athens. And when he left Athens, at least, he got free and he started thinking, man, you know what? I preached and I used the prophets and all these clever illustrations and all of that. And that stuff didn't even work. Man, that was a bummer. Two people got saved. Paul says, I'm, I got the Corinth and I learned it's the power of the gospel. He says, I came to you in a demonstration of the power of the gospel. Every preacher must get to that place where you say, you know what? This ain't about me. It's not about my ability. Saints, let me tell y'all something on a personal note. Pastor Rodney has gotten free from that stuff years ago, y'all. I got free from that a long time ago. Back when I had an afro, I got free from that. <laughs> What? No, I got free from that. See, you, you kind of go through that as a, as, a, as a preacher. You know, you go through, you know, well, you know, I got to get it all right. And I got to prepare my sermon. And I got to, you know, get it all right and say all the right words. And I have to be, you know, and get in a pulpit and you got to be and say the right thing. And if you say the right thing, you know, people are going to respond to the gospel and people, you know, I got free from that a long, long, long time ago. And now, honestly, guys, I don't come to the pulpit with a sermon prepared. I don't feel like I'm sermonizing at all. I've been studying the scriptures and I come to share something with you that I probably just learned myself yesterday. There, the cat's out the bag. There. And honestly, I, I don't come with trying to be all cool and trying to be eloquent and have all the right words. You got to get free from that. And I think God wants us to be free from that because God wants a reality from the pulpit. And it really isn't about what you say. It's about what he says. And God can use anything. God can use anything and anyone. God can use a donkey to speak. He does every Sunday and every Wednesday. <laughs> and don't say Amen. God can use anyone. And as soon as we get free, listen, if you are one of the elders, deacons, pastors, and you fill the pulpit here at Calvary Chapel, or you are a pastor of a church or whatever, listen, get free from you. Just get free from you. Just share what God gives you. Don't try to make it eloquent and clever and, and you know, try to be all relevant. Listen, relevance is good to a degree. I mean, listen, any preaching that's heard and doesn't have any application doesn't mean anything to you today. I mean, what's the good of hearing it? When you come to church, you should be challenged to what you're going to take God's word and what you're going to do with it. It's applicable. It is relevant. Jesus was a applicable, relevant preacher, the best ever. John 15, he's traveling with his disciples. And they're walking along and you see grapevines. In Israel, there's grapevines and vines and grapes all over the place. And Jesus is walking along with his disciples. And he says, hey, fellas. And they said, yeah. That's the clueless voice. Yeah. He says, see those vines? Yeah. 
See the grapes? Yeah. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches and he who abides in me will bring forth fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And they go, oy vey, I get it. <laughs> What's that? That's called relevant preaching. But what Paul is saying is that he's gotten free from, you know, trying to uh, take the human wisdom of the world. First Corinthians chapter two, we just read it. Take the human wisdom from the world and begin to try to meld that and mold that and shape that so that it makes the gospel more effective. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. Paul says, from now on, it's Christ only. I come to you in demonstration of the power of God. And that's what we need to get to. Paul learned something at Athens as he traveled. And and, and God used him. God used that Athenian experience, if you will, to prepare Paul for the work in Corinth. We'll look at verse 2 in your text. Notice it tells us, we just read it, when Paul arrived in Corinth, he came into contact with the husband and wife team. I like to see husband and wife teams serving the Lord together. And it's an awesome thing. And this husband and wife team, their name is Aquila and Priscilla. And they had come to Corinth. Did you notice that? We read that in our text. They had come to Corinth because the Roman Emperor Claudius, right around A.D. 46 through 49, the Roman Emperor Claudius expelled all Jews from Rome. And apparently the Jews who opposed Christ had several riots in the city and in frustration and anger, Claudius commanded them to leave the city. And so Aquila and Priscilla were forced out of their home. They arrive in the city of Corinth and they set up a small business in tent making. And because Paul was also a tent maker as well, their paths crossed. And I'm really confident that as they are traveling, listen, as Aquila and Priscilla are traveling, From Italy to Corinth, I'm confident that Priscilla probably said, you know, honey, I don't understand how we just lost our home. Honey, I don't really get it why we we lost our home. We were kicked out of our country. And man, what's God doing? You ever been in a place where stuff is happening? Stuff is happening. You go, what in the world is going on? And she was probably like, what in the world is going on, honey? I mean, we're kicked out of our home. We're kicked out of our country. We don't know what's going on. Then we go to Corinth. And she doesn't realize, though, that I really believe this, that God is always working behind the scenes for his people. And that more, what, more than 10 people don't agree with that? I, always, I believe God's always working. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. God's always working it out and they may not understand it, but God understands it. And so God allowed them to be kicked out of Italy because he wanted to get them to Corinth at the same time that Paul was going to be in Corinth because God wanted to do a work with Aquila, Priscilla and Paul. God knows how to orchestrate situations, y'all. He's always working it out. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Be full of faith. God is always working it out. And so they may not understand, but they meet up with Paul, the apostle, and, and, and they begin this tent making business together. And it is very interesting that, that as you study the text, you can see that Paul, now many scholars, by the way, they, 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 they don't 
you know, they're on both sides as to whether Aquila and Priscilla were Christians when they met Paul or did they become Christians after they met Paul? And so scholars are torn. For me, it doesn't matter because I know that after spending a week with Paul, you will be a Christian. Can you imagine working with Paul every day? He'd be like, hey, you want to get saved today? Uh, no. Okay, I'll ask you tomorrow. Go to get saved today? Hey, you got to know Jesus, you know. Man, Paul would be the kind of guy, he'd drive you crazy. You either get saved or you quit. I mean, it's true. So either way, we know that they got saved, but it is very interesting. As you look through the scriptures, you can see that Paul used his occupation as a mission and a ministry. Paul used his job. Listen, this is a word for someone. Paul used his occupation, his job, and used it as a mission field and a ministry. You know, if you hate your job, you know, why not think of your job and your occupation as a mission? I had so many people, I hate my job. I hate what I do. I got to find something different to do. I'm like, well, you don't hate it that much because you take that check every Friday, don't you? Say amen, saints. You don't hate that much. You get that check. I hate my job. I don't want to go to work. I don't like it. Like, well, how about this? Why not use your occupation as a ministry and a mission? Perhaps God has you there because there's someone there who needs to hear the gospel. And instead of complaining, why not share your faith? You know, you guys know that I've been in the military. I was spent 13 years in the Navy. Go Navy. Love the Navy. And uh, and uh, I, I absolutely love that time in my life when I was in the military. I was working in an office at the time and and it was on a, a Marine Corps base and I was Navy. And uh, and uh, it was in that office that God did a lot of things in my life. And and of course, you know, you know, when you you work in the, the military, I mean, it's a whole different environment. And and I just remember each day I would go to work and read my Bible and study, you know, the Bible. And and um, and people used to mock me all the time. I mean, they'd be, oh, there he is reading that Bible again, you know. And I remember people, they'd say, hey, why don't you come on and go to happy hour with us, Finch? Are you reading that Bible? Come on and get a drink. I go, nah, they go, hey, yeah, what Jesus drank. It's like, why is it that all non-believers know that Jesus drank? It's like they don't know nothing else about the Bible. They know Jesus drank. Oh, well, Jesus had wine. Why can't you have wine? You can drink a little wine. Come on. And they know the verse. Take a little wine for that stomach sight. Isn't that what the book says? Oh, well, yeah, no. And, you know, and they used to always try to get me to go to happy hour with them. I'm like, no, 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 you guys, I'm going to just stay and read my Bible and whatever, whatever. And then after a while, as as time went on and I continued to hold down my witness because I wanted to share the gospel and led people to the Lord in that office. As I continued to hold down my witness and, and be a witness and be a light and be salt, you know, after a while, they stopped inviting me to happy hours. As a matter of fact, they even gave me a nickname in that office. I'll never forget this. They used to call me. I don't know if I told you guys this, but they used to call me Deacon. That was my nickname on the base. I don't even think these people knew my first name after a while. They would just, they called me Deacon. And, 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 and God began to use me. I, I, you know, I remember my boss, he was like a, a master chief or whatever. And, and he would say, uh, hey, Finch, oh, Deacon. And I go, uh, yes, sir. I want you to stay around after, after, you know, everybody leaves. 
I'm talking about something. I said, oh, okay, sir, yes, sir. And then everybody would leave. He said, oh, Finch, come here. He says, uh, he go, uh, what's that Bible had to say about marriage? And I'm like, oh, you want to know here? Yeah. And I had an opportunity to share the gospel in a place where my workplace had to become my mission field. Saints, let your workplace become your mission field. I think that's what Paul did. Paul let that tent making business or making those tents become a mission, a place where he could provide for himself, but also be able to share the gospel. This whole tent making idea. Actually, if you talk to missionaries today, that's that's kind of a common phrase. Like I have a I'm tent making now. It's kind of a common you know idea or phrase. And what they mean by that is that they're 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 working during the week and they're sharing the gospel during the weekend. On the weekend. So they're working, tent making, making money, taking care of yourself and sharing the gospel on the weekend. And so Paul had a tent making business with Aquila and Priscilla. Look at verse four. I got to move on. And he reasoned in verse four in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy in verse five had come from Macedonia, Paul was pressured or pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, notice what he did. He shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I I am clean. And from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and he entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Isn't that cool? Wouldn't it be cool if your house was next door to Calvary Chapel? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.